It's Cofield and Company. 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 Low snap. Now Prescott throws. That's going to be caught in the end zone by Amari Cooper. Touchdown. Here they come after Brady. Throws. Caught. Gonkowski in the end zone. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. At the age of 44, Brady steps up, avoids the rush. Throws. Caught. Touchdown, Antonio Brown. You know, you talk about pocket presence and feeling. Obviously, he's got everything. You can feel it coming in from the side. Steps up, finds the open spot. Bingo. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. Weekend Friday, Friday. Getting down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. Partying, partying. Partying, partying. Yeah! All right, here we go. Friday, 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 Friday. Full crew in here. We go three hours up until 6 o'clock. Adam Hill is the company. Willie Ramirez is the company as well. Ari is here on this Friday. Finley Toyota Studios. Lots to get to. Good guest spots. We'll talk to a former Raiders, Lincoln Kennedy, and Stanford Route during the show. We got season predictions. Candy and myself gave out our season predictions yesterday. Adam Hill and Willie will give them out throughout the show. So, first of all, before we come out, I'm very concerned about you guys. You look like you were a little bit soaked. What happened down near the facility? Dude, I, I, listen, it's rain and wind. Everybody's experienced it. I get it. So it sounds ridiculous to say this. I've never, never experienced what we just experienced. <laughs> it is. It was insane. We're walking out of the facility. It's probably a 200-yard walk to the cars, and we're probably 20, 30 yards into the walk. And it's clear we're having a a really weird, just normal conversation about some some old videos that we know that are on YouTube and if we can find them or not. It was the most casual conversation you've ever seen, and it was clear. And all of a sudden, it was we were in the middle of a hurricane. And I know uh, Will, we were with uh, Ed Graney from the Review Journal, and uh, and Vinny was a little bit ahead of us, Vinny Bonsignor. And then me and Willie, it, we just all look at each other, and they start sprinting. And I, my car's further away. I, the wind was like blowing me back. I, I from in that amount of time, was l- literally water was just pouring off of me. I, I've never seen anything like that before. Where it went from nothing. Yeah. Usually you're gonna get a couple drops and then it starts raining harder. It just absolutely started downpouring. And Willie, like you said, he saw it coming. Yeah, it was weird. It was so the three of us are walking and I'm on the far left. Where, as Adam said, we're talking about old videos on YouTube and I'm look so I'm looking at Ed and Adam and I'm saying yeah no it should be on there because I know there's some older videos but as I look up to make that point all I see it it was like a tidal wave like if you're looking at you're standing on the beach and all of a sudden this wave it was all this water rain everything because and it coming sideways and it just slapped us all upside the head boom we took off running I let's put it this way we were halfway from the media room to our cars, as Adam said. Let's say it's a 200-yard walk. So we're halfway there. By the time we hit the button on the car and got in, my whole right side was drenched. My left side was dry. It was that weird. Because it was straight sideways rain. Yeah. I mean, it, it like was it almost was going up upwards. It was ins- it was insane. And again, it's wind and rain. I get it. People have experienced it before. It. 
it was shocking. It was stunning. I have never gone through that. It from, was crazy. For, literally from, it would be, it, let's put it this way. The best analogy I could think of would be this. Imagine walking sideways into one of those car washes where you drive your car into. <laughs> like you go from nothing to drenched. It did, but, it, but it came at us. It was wild. And meanwhile, there's people around town who I'm sure are like, what? It, it rained? I had sprinkles <laughs> in the middle of town where I live. Sprinkles. That was it. crazy. No wind. No sideways rain. None of it. And, and it was over just as soon as it started. It's Trending at 3. Presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. Right, so what's going on now on this Friday before a Monday game? Uh, we had a Thursday game last night. We'll get into that. But the Raiders with an extra day of prep. Today we get more news. We're going to have to wait through the weekend to find out who's actually going to play. What's the deal, especially with uh, Josh Jacobs and maybe more importantly, Richie Incognito. Yeah, I would. If you wait, if you want me to set odds right now, there's a 99.99% chance that Josh Jacobs is playing on Monday. Yeah. Maybe even higher. Uh, I'm going to put Richie Incognito at 10. 10%? I can't imagine he's playing. We haven't seen him on the practice field since the joint practices. Uh, a lot of discussion while they wouldn't say it today outright. Uh, a lot of discussion about John Simpson's preparedness uh, and how ready he is to go uh, on Monday. So, yeah, I would uh, I would expect, if you wanted me to make a wager, that John Simpson is starting at left guard on, on Monday night. The thing that stood out, too, that I've thought of these last couple of weeks with Incognito is that we thought it was so casual where those first few weeks of training camp before the preseason games where – it was almost like, you know, in hockey, where, oh, he's taking a maintenance day. Or maybe it's just because he's up there in age, and so he's sort of just taking it easy. And then he'd be in the weight room. Maybe it's been something that's been lingering and nagging because now we haven't seen him. And uh, like Adam said, it, it, it seems as if the way, the route that we're going here is that he's out. Jacob spoke today to us, and he sounded upbeat, ready to go, sounded excited. And uh, I, I would. 100% agree with Adam in terms of those odds that he laid. We're going to see Jacobs on the field. Um, talking about the enthusiasm to get on the field. Talking about the enthusiasm of playing in front of that crowd. Where and, you know, and I even asked him, does this feel like the first real season in Vegas? Um, but with Incognito, I, I, I just don't, I just don't see how he's, you know, think he's going to play. Yeah, and let's also, let's also point out the fact that Josh Jacobs spoke to the media today is a very strong indication that he'll be ready to play, and we should. Like he's almost preparing people, uh, because the way I phrased the question to him was, people were freak, freaked out and panicking that you weren't on the field, and he basically said, "Get used to it." Yeah. Uh, he said, "Year three, I the toll that practices and games and seasons take on my body is like I'm being much smarter this year. I'm probably going to miss a lot of practices." And one, and you know, I thought one of the most poignant things that he said, he just he said, "I take the most hits yeah. on this team, so I'm going to take breaks." Three six four eleven hundred three six four one one zero zero. We'll give away some tickets to the UNLV Iowa State game. Four pack caller eleven three six four eleven hundred. It's on the eighteenth. It's at Allegiant. Call Ari right now three six four eleven hundred. On the way back, we'll get into the uh, Cowboys game. Should have been the Cowboys game, but it turned out to be the Bucks game because the Cowboys. Man, Mike McCarthy, just a little bit chubbier Jason Garrett. I saw a lot of the same stuff that I saw uh, years ago where the Cowboys play themselves into losses. Nova Home Loans brings you Trending at 3. It's a refi rate at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. 
Dak Prescott, oh my God. Uh, this week I asked you to help me pick who I should start on my fantasy team because I have both uh, Dak Prescott and Matt Stafford. After 38,000 votes, it was real close, but it was like two-tenths was in Stafford's favor. So I decided to run Stafford. So Matt, Sunday night, you got to come through for me because I left a lot of points on the board. Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. So many questions about a hometown hero, O.J. Simpson, and his, his fantasy thoughts there. First of all, we're playing like horror theme music there, like slasher music. Okay, that's kind of... I guess I, I, I guess I guess I didn't have to mention it. That was the the subtle deal there by the vast sound crew. Willie's here, Cofield, Adam Hill. Adam was starting. He, anytime he started getting into fantasy and lineups and value, and he started like shaking in his chair. OJ said he started Stafford over Dak Prescott. We've talked about this before. OJ, for somebody who brags so much about fantasy football, he sucks. Get in our league, OJ. How well, many times I, have we asked? I will give him credit. Uh, Having both of those guys, Stafford is not, unless he's in an 18 league, Stafford's a, a top 12 starting quarterback based on potential this year. Uh, but, but, he's not, but he's not ahead of Dak Prescott. I think uh, ADP Prescott's in the, I'd have to look again, but for the most part, I think Prescott's fifth round and Stafford's like 11th or 12th. How about quarterbacks? Top 12 or not? He's, I saw several 12 teams leagues that I was in that he was not a starter. Okay. But he's like, right, I think he should be. I think he's going to have a massive year, but there, there's he's right around that edge. I wouldn't crowdsource to decide on my starters. Well, yeah, and if you're like if, again, if you're taking Prescott, probably in the fifth round, unless he really fell in this draft, and you're taking Stafford in like eleventh or twelfth, oh. then why? Like, what's the decision? There was the injury concern. He's limping around a little bit. He's got a shoulder issue. I mean, he came out and he looked a little bit weak with a you know a little less zip in the first half, but he got it going. Game script throughout the game. He was he was freaking awesome. So I'll ask you guys before we get into the nuts and the bolts of uh, Dallas losing to Tampa. Do you upgrade or downgrade either team after what you saw last night? I'll say no, but I, I, I would say I'm. You know, I was pretty confident in Dallas anyway. Um, I remain confident, and even more so, just watching how Prescott played. I, I would say if you're going to do anything, you would probably you'd probably downgrade Tampa. But at the same, I, I don't think you do. I think you just say, "Hey, listen, Super Bowl hangover. It's you know first game of the season. We what did you see that things. you want to downgrade Tampa on? We almost lost to Dallas at home." Well, the, the line ball, was out of control. Any, anyone, anyone who knows football, that eight and a half, nine, nine and a half was ridiculous. Well, I assume everyone who's decently sharp in town took the dog. Yeah, the nine. The nine. Um, but yeah, I, I think for them to almost lose, again, I had the screenshot ready to go, by the way. I had the Dan Orlovsky screenshot I was going to post as soon as this uh, game was the game was over. They're going to go 17 and out. Right. But and like, they struggle to win game one. <laughs> they had to kick a field goal at the last second yeah. to win game one. I was ready to post it. Um, but I think like Tampa, Tampa was good. I think they're fine. They made a couple of mistakes, a couple of turnovers, um, but they're good. I'm not going to, I'm not going to downgrade them at all. I think if anything, that's what you do, but I don't, I'm not downgrading, downgrading Tampa. I am upgrading Dallas only because opposite Adam, I wasn't high on them. what do you think for in. wins this year for, for Dallas, Dallas? Yeah. I actually, when I first wrote it up, uh, roughly six weeks ago for a site, I had, under nine and a half wins. I think it was okay. nine and a half, wasn't it? So I had under nine and a half. Um, and that was with question marks coming in. Now, I would upgrade just for the fact that beyond that Dak looked phenomenal, better than we thought. Right. I just thought that Dallas overall looked cohesive and played well. But I'm not going to downgrade Tampa Bay opening week, first week of the season. I mean, I think that they probably underestimated Dallas and didn't expect them to come out fired. Yeah. I would say at 115. 
that I wouldn't upgrade or downgrade either team because I thought Dallas was going to be about an eight or nine win team. And I saw exactly what backs that up down the stretch and throughout the game with Mike McCarthy as the head coach. There's going to be six games that are toss-up games, and he's going to go two and four or one and five. So that's they could be an 11-win team, but he's a buffoon. Now, I mentioned 115. An hour later, I now I really feel confident about the eight, nine wins because you're already having issues on the offensive line with a COVID-positive test. We'll see how long that lingers. And now Lyle Collins might be out five games, and they lost Michael Gallup. So injuries kind of hurt him last night. But, yeah, I... That, that told me everything I needed to know about the Dallas Cowboys and Mike McCarthy and his game management. Because uh, I, I, don't, I don't believe for one second that uh, Kellen Moore called that run on second down with less than three and a half minutes left to Zeke Elliott, who hadn't done anything all night. And all of a sudden, they're like, well, let's run. Let's try to run clock. That is a head coach move by a guy who, as I said to open, coaches the same way Jason Garrett does. Not aggressive. You don't give the ball back to Tom Brady with freaking a minute and 45 seconds left, there are certain quarterbacks in this league, you go for broke. Yep. And if you're rolling with the – you have the guy throwing 70 passes, keep passing. That's their weakness on the back end. And another pass rush, you know, Vita Vea got crazy. But you weren't going to run against them. That was a wasted play. And there's a lot of things in the game where, you know, the missed field goals are out of control. The extra point missed. That sucks. That that totally sucked. But I'm about the same on both teams. So I thought the Bucks could win 11 or 12 games. I think that's about the same, 11 and 6, 12 and 5. And I still think the Cowboys are going to have a tough time getting a 10 wins, even with all that talent, because of McCarthy. I think it's fair. And, and I'll say, like, as high as everyone is on Prescott coming out of the game, and he, he looked phenomenal throwing the ball and everything, I don't think he moved very well, which, which does concern me a little bit um, going forward. Like, Not you, much of a threat on an RPO. No. <laughs> no. If one of the guys can't run. No. And I'm not taking a shot at him. I'm like, no. obviously, we know what he went through. It's going to be a while year. before he's, he's fully healthy. Um, but yeah, I, I thought, I mean, while he threw the ball well, while he moved around okay in the pocket, um, I, I didn't think he could move very well, like getting out of the pocket, getting going. And that's to be expected. Uh, but I, I think you wanted to see that. And, you know, there, there was one where he, he tucked in and ran. And I think he picked up a first down. And they're like, oh. Dak Prescott, the the mobility back, and I was like, he looked awful running. Like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah, he got it. That's, I mean, it's the ultimate results based thinking that we talk about. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think throwing the ball. He, I'm, I, I remember, I think I remember from last year, three of the four games that he started and finished, he threw for over 400 yards. He was averaging over 370 a game. That's correct. And then he threw for over, threw for over 400 again last night. So that's four of his last five starts. He's gone over 400 yards. Now a lot of that is they can't run the ball which that's going to be kind of a mess, too. Uh, I don't think you need to run it, but I, I think you at least need the threat of running it, and uh, they couldn't. What, so uh, a couple what? of things from the game. Uh, were you guys all pissed off about the non-call on what could have been an OPI on the Godwin catch that sets up the winning field goal? It, it should have been called, but it never is. Yeah, that's that's the problem. Well, no, it, it is. It, that's the problem is that it's inconsistent. I, I'm surprised they didn't call it defensive. <laughs> I've heard some people say there was enough clutching yeah. before that that it could have been defensive. So I don't, I don't I'd rather know. let the guys play it out. Hey, Godwin made the better play, got a little contact. A little defensive contact. back de- defensive back is off balance. It goes down. I mean, the problem for the Cowboys, though, and this, this might play out all season, as much as you love Micah Parsons, was that really a position of need? They – you know, they either needed to move up to get the cornerback they wanted or they're going to have to take a cornerback in the draft before they wanted to, another guy. Uh, they're still weak on that back end. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's an I mean, issue. Anthony Brown just got, what were the final numbers? He got targeted 10 times, nine nine receptions, 134 yards, and a touchdown given oh, up. It's not good. Uh, 
But uh, listen, I think also three missed tackles. I, okay, well, it's even worse. Um, I, I do feel like you know while there was a lot of good coming out of the game, and I think you look at both sides, there was also a lot of bad. But I, I'd also say it was. I just want to say fun. Yeah, it's fun, oh, it's fun to watch. The first game. I mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna crush anyone. It's a long season. That was unbelievable. That was an amazing, amazing game. And what a quarterback showcase on both sides. It, and I think you have to t- take away, you know, d- I mean, Dallas, you, you talk about the point spread, and I think anyone wise out there, like you said, knew better. But the fact that they came very close to pulling off the outright win um, is something to somewhat build upon. I, it's it's a matter of how they respond to this and, and how they tweak things, both on offense and defense, and how they utilize and try to balance things out on offense. And if they can, you know, make the right adjustments – in in order to to tighten things up defensively, because you know, I mean, that's probably going to that's probably going to be the most efficient and deepest offense that it's going to face this season. Uh, in terms of you know the weapons that we saw the Tampa Bay unleashed, but uh, it, it's from there, you know, as uh, as Marcus Arroyo said, there's no moral victories, but Dallas has to come away thinking that they you know that they played well to a, to a degree. Adam, one of your takeaways you sent over was the Bucks are vulnerable. So where? Well, I mean, it, it was kind of reference to the everybody freaking out about going 17-0. and 0 and oh, okay. hey, this team's so, not so a little sarcastic. Right. They're not going to go 15-2, <laughs> sure. 16-1, and 17-0. Sure. But, I, I mean, it, I think it, it, is, it is fair. Uh, um, where are the Bucks vulnerable? Where people should have expected that they're vulnerable? Depth. And, and that's an issue all around the league. We get it. But, yeah, you can be excited that they're returning all the starters. That's great. But they did lose some backups. They did lose some reserves. Right. And that's what happens when you've got salary cap issues and everybody wants to get paid, everybody wants their money, and that's fine. You invested a lot in the starting lineup, but now who's going to come in off the bench? Again, I get that every you can say that about almost every team. Absolutely. But let's not just be like, well, the Bucks won last year. Everybody's back. They're winning the Super Bowl this year. Like It's not that easy. No. What I would be excited about is that Vita Vea is 100% oh, now. Good lord. 347 pounds, <laughs> and he's throwing around 315 pound guys inside on the Dallas line, which is pretty good. Uh, throwing them around like rag dolls. Uh, I would be excited that Gronk now back, you know, 100%. He looked good. He still can't run, but in small spaces, I mean, he's ridiculous. And that, you know, the the chemistry between the understanding, them, yeah. the chemistry between them on the short touchdown where. You know, it's a Marcus Lawrence getting caught in coverage. Like they look at each other for a second, and then Brady just—it's it, the pass is like you can't defend that. That play stands out. Obviously, everybody talked about that. I, I would I would point to another play, which would be on the last drive of the game, where they didn't get the look that they expected from the defense. Um, Gronk basically just read the play and said, "Oh, we're in trouble." Peeled off his route, came back to Brady, caught the ball, went straight to the straight out of bounds. So basically, they just—it's not even like they gained a lot of yards. But they didn't. It didn't turn into a disaster. He didn't have to go downfield. He didn't get sacked. They just said, "Oh, here, take the ball, go out of bounds, and let's move on to fight another day." And my God, the other one is now you've got we think a mostly focused off season from Antonio Brown. What if Antonio Brown <laughs> is Antonio Brown of three years ago? He looked like it last night. That's what's dangerous. That's crazy. Right. That's 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 what's dangerous. I mean, the you know, Adams right in terms of the depth uh, at each position, but in terms of just. Like I said earlier, the weaponry that this team has. The one thing that that the other thing it, to, to Adam's point about the depth is is that the, if that offensive line, you know, if it if in any way, shape, or form that you know loses something, and now all of a sudden Brady finds a little bit more pressure and his age up there. I mean, yeah, he's got the experience, but you know, somewhere down in midseason, if 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 he gets hurt, 
Blaine Gabbert's not driving that that offense. Boy, the, the story on the Dallas side, yeah, that's for sure. There's the story on the Dallas side. Um, bookmakers had it nailed on Zeke Elliott and how much the Cowboys would try to run against the Bucks' run defense. I mean, the numbers were only over under 14 and a half carries and 60 yards on the ground, and he didn't even sniff it. He was 11 for 33 rushing. He got two targets, two catches, six yards. And for most of the game, there was a contingent of people on social media who were like, where's Zeke? You got to run Zeke. They can only win this game if they have Zeke. And I like, I guess the logic was you got to keep the Bucks off the field. They did. They were doubling him up using the pass in time of possession. So, like, if if you don't think you can run the ball – and I actually, I disagree with you. I think you made the comment that they're going to, you think they're going to have a tough time running the ball all year, that Zeke may be faded. I think they'll be able to run well, it. They just got to run it last Collins night. Collins is out. When is Martin coming back? I mean, that's, that is a problem. That's the issue. And, that and, is a problem. And, but he, like one of the things I took, like if you're looking at takeaway from the game, I mean, I hope this is the case. I, I think it was game script related. I, I don't necessarily think this is true. If we are at the point now where teams finally get it, you're like, why are we running the ball? Yep. Throw every throw every down. It's like you run every once in a while to keep somebody off balance, and like you can't just let the you can't just let the guys pin their ears back and go at the quarterback. But but if, a five yard pass to the side or inside of ten yards, so Amari Cooper or C D Lamb on either side of the ball, it's a run. Yeah, <laughs> it's the same thing. They stay in bounds, the clock runs. So if you're yeah. trying to save your defense, it's the same thing. And yeah. Dak is accurate enough; he can get it there. Yeah, I, I mean that, that's how teams should be playing. And hopefully that's what we see. It was fun. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Lincoln Kennedy about his new book. But we do need to tell you, tomorrow, big day, 3 to 4.30, Ford Country and Henderson, Q is going to be on the scene, 3 o'clock to 4.30 with Josh Jacobs, starting running back Josh Jacobs. These guys said 99% on the field on Monday, Josh Jacobs. Bring a couple of food items. They're doing it for a good cause. It's 3 to 4.30, Henderson, 280 North Gibson, Ford Country, Q, and Raiders running back Josh Gibson tomorrow. Gibson, Mike, keep saying Gibson. Did I say Gibson multiple times? No, just that time. I just did it because yeah. of the street. Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs, Ford Country, 3 to 4.30. Finley Toyota. They'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota. You know, I have confidence in all those guys. You know, I've been here, you know, 18 months now. So we, we've not a perfect game. There's obviously a lot to kind of unpack from this one. But um, it's a good football team. They have a really good offense, very sound defense. They have a lot of good players on defense. So um, it's a good team. We obviously got a lot to clean up. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Tom Brady feeling good after game number one. Some things to clean up. Uh, the Bucks get the win. Feels like old times, right? Cowboys fall just short, just short. Uh, let's talk some football. Let's talk about the latest book out about the Raiders. If these walls could talk stories from the Raiders sideline, locker room, and press box. It's a uh, collaboration with Lincoln Kennedy, the former Raider, Raider beat writer, Paul Gutierrez. And Lincoln gives us a couple of minutes here on Cofield and Company. Lincoln, how you doing? Wonderful, gentlemen. Thank you guys for having me. Well, let's get into it. Let's talk the book first, and then we'll get into uh, some of the latest Raiders news. Uh, first of all, why did you want to write this book? It's funny that you mentioned it. I, you know, Paul, it kind of came to me with the story, and I had been asked a few times before since I left the game about writing a book, but I never really wanted to divulge people's, you know, personal business because everybody kind of wants to tell all. I saw the book by Jose Canseco and some other guys, and I was like, you know, that's not me. That's not my style. But, uh, but Paul, you know, Paul said, you know what? He told me, look, we're, we're going to do it clean. We'll do it your way. 
you know, we'll tell the stories as it is. We don't need to divulge any names. We don't need to put anybody's personal business out there. Just share, share stories of your time with the Raiders and what it meant to be a Raider. And that's what we did. And it was a great little collaboration between him and I. And we got, got a chance to relive a lot of great memories and a lot of great times. And, and I, I really feel special to the Raider Nation and the Raider faithful. And so this is one way that I was trying to give back to them. I just heard you say something there, like tell the story of what it's what it means to be a Raider. What does it mean? I mean, I, you have a whole book about it, but uh, what, what does it mean in the uh, the you know brief version of that? Well, not to give up too much away because it's in the book, but the, the thing is, I've only had the privilege of playing for two organizations, and back when I was with the Falcons, what I got drafted by, and versus when I came out with the Raiders, were totally polar opposites from the fan base to ownership to involvement, everything. So. Um, I fell in love with the Raider Nation the first moment I showed up. I played for the Silver and Black, and I didn't want to look back. And even when I had a chance to possibly try to become a free agent to get more money, I knew my home was in the Bay Area with the Raider Nation. Link, uh, and, and I know Chapter 3 touches on as far as the uniqueness in that. There are 31 teams in the NFL, and then there are the Raiders. Chapter 11, Tom Flores, Trailblazing Iceman. I'm assuming that Paul has a lot to do with that specific chapter. He has really, really been, speaking of trailblazing, he has been a trailblazer uh, for many years in in Tom getting into the Hall of Fame, and that's happened. Just how special is that, you know, is, was, that Hall of Fame ceremony and, and what he's meant to that organization and just what this season means considering the Hall of Fame ceremonies and who's gone in. Well, you know, it, it, I'm a little partial when you talk about the Raiders and the lore and the players that, that you know came before me that I stand on the shoulders of. And there's a lot of great players that are already in Hall of Fame, but I think there are even a lot more great players that have been not included into the Hall of Fame. And we'll see what happens with Cliff Branch. He's one that comes to mind to Jim Plunkett. But the short answer to your question for Coach Flores, well-deserved, long overdue. And I understand that the Hall of Fame is a museum. They want to sell tickets, so they got to sell a relevant. When you put in people, and this is no slide on these guys. It's no slide at all. When you put in guys like Tony Dungy and Jimmy Johnson, all those guys did that before them. So why, would, why did it take so long to get in? Now, that being said, long overdue, but well-deserved. I'm glad it coaches in. So I guess you know when when you when you sit down and you you work with somebody like Paul and we know we know Paul well and uh, you know great writer and I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of you know good stuff in there. How, how much? I mean, how much is the you know collaborative process? You know, you telling stories and him just writing it down. How much is it him asking you questions? Like, how did you kind of come to the uh, you know the points in the in the book here? Well, he would bring up situations and and you know we would kind of collaborate. But Paul was Paul kept me straight, guys. But what is Paul did a great job because. No, no, he was my facts checker. Here, the thing is, is that I remember the very first play of my NFL career. I remember the very last play of my NFL career. Everything involved in the middle was was a blur. So <laughs> when I would bring up situations like with the tuck rule or when Juden, or Gruden was traded, I mean, those things, he kind of corrected me and steered me wrong. Are you sure this is what happened? Because this is the time I have. And it made me remember even a little bit more clearly. So Paul kept me really in line with this whole this whole process. And I never, I never realized the memories that I had until he actually, you know, asked the questions, almost like a therapist, diving <laughs> deeper. So it was truly therapeutic for one, but more importantly, it was it was very informative because it helped me clarify a lot of things that I might have had a little snow and a little fuzz around. But he didn't have you laying on a couch, did he? <laughs> no, he didn't, he didn't do that. He didn't, he didn't do that. We had, but we we spent a whole lot of time together, especially during the pandemic, and, and was uh, you know trying to get this piece out. 
Uh, and it really was a fun project. I really enjoyed it thoroughly. Lincoln Kennedy's written, uh, written a book with uh, Paul Gutierrez, If These Walls Could Talk, stories from the Raiders' sideline, locker room, and press box. Get up to Amazon, your local bookstore, to grab a copy of the book. You talked about you know being a little foggy at times in the middle of your career. I know one thing you did not forget is Broncos game up there and snowballs. <laughs> Why well, you have to bring that part up? But it's in the book. It's in the book. <laughs> No, I wasn't. I wasn't foggy at that point. You know, it, it, there was just, you know, the short story is, is someone throws a snowball at you, you see it right as clear as day, and it hits you. I just, I lost it. I saw red, and I wasn't talking about Bronco red, so I had to do something about it. Other stories uh, include Bill Callahan, but I know you have a different take on Callahan versus like, because yeah. there are other guys in the book. Charles Woodson said, "Don't mention that name to me." He's he was not a, a Bill Callahan <laughs> guy, but everyone had a kind of a different take on Bill Callahan. Yeah, you know what? Bill and I were close because he was my offensive line coach. And we, we created a relationship there before he got the head coach. When Gruden got traded, and uh, Al Davis may rest in peace, kind of reached out to us with some of the leaders like myself and Tim Brown and Rich. You know, we all said that we've got a system in place that's successful for us. Let's not try to veer too much. Let's hire from within. So it just seemed like a natural progression for Callahan to get the job. And obviously that year was, was memorable for so many reasons. We we come out the gate, we win our first four, then we lose our first four. We kind of get back on track after the Denver game and Rod Woodson's big 100-yard interception for a touchdown, get, and then go on the road. And, you know, we were on such a roll and such a high um, uh, because of what we were capable of doing. There was only, you know, after high time being 2020, and after the fact, there was only one person in the land that competed, and that was our former coach who knew us better than we knew ourselves, Gruden. And I don't think with everything that was happening, during the time frame, with us being the last of the one-weekers, we were the, we were the last game of the AFC Championship with the, the night game. Um, and all that time to prepare for the Super Bowl in San Diego, and we never thought about what happens if Gruden gives our playbook over to a defensive coordinator. I don't think they ever planned on that. We didn't have a contingency plan, and that's why the game was one-sided like it was. Link, there's a um, there's a chapter in the book that it's the most memorable games or some of the memorable games you played in and some of the ga- uh, games that Paul covered. The past week or so, um, as we lead up to the Monday Night Football, some of the guys have just talked about some special moments during this training camp. Uh, you know, Derek Carr talked about Max Crosby coming to him and just talking about how special it was to be named a captain. Some of the guys, the energy, you know, in the locker room. What are some of the most memorable moments for you, maybe, you know, specific times in the, in the locker room before a game, after a game, that, that stand out to you that you can share with us that, you know, that uh, that, that people – Maybe get a better grasp and understanding when you say there are 31 teams and then there are the Raiders. What what are some moments that, that stood out, not just the games? Well, I mean, you know, the thing was being named the captain, Tim Brown on many occasions uh, anointing me to give the pregame speech when we were on the field. Those are personal moments that really made me feel good. And I, you know, I, I actually took it on my on my shoulders that when it was, you know, third down and short, or we were on the goal line, that if they weren't running over me, I was taking it personal. And I was going over to the coaches and talking about it. You know, what the hell's going on? What are we doing? Um, but it was instances like that where I took pride in my craft, and I really wanted – I mean, I protected Rich as, 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 as good as I could. And I wanted to make sure that my responsibilities never even got close to him. So I went out there, and I tried to relate that to the other offensive linemen. We had a real good offensive line. You know, we had, we had, we had some great moments. There were two – when Paul asked the question – it was, it was too much, too many to name. There were so many fond moments, so many great moments. But just the presence of, you know, hoisting up the Lamar Hunt trophy 
after winning an AFC championship game in front of the Raider Nation. You know, just the feeling of doing it in that stadium, achieving in that stadium, and what we were on the precipice of possibly achieving and going down into Raider history, one of the moments that I will always treasure. You know, and the, uh, conversely, the missed opportunity when we played a couple years before the Baltimore Ravens in that very same stadium, the missed opportunities that we had a chance to go to the Super Bowl if we had better prepared or had a little bit of a contingency plan on what if the fact that, you know, the Ravens stopped the run, what are we going to do? We didn't have it in our arsenal at that time. So all these lessons prepared you for the time after. But, I mean, there were so many great moments in that stadium, so many great moments with that team. And I guess the most thing that I'm most fond of is the relationship that I had with Al Davis. I mean, he was an owner who I felt valued my opinion when it came to, um, you know, when it came to – Looking at defensive line and defensive ends and kind of evaluating their strengths, what they could go for, they got to help us out in free agency. And the man would talk so much football, so much history. He had more knowledge and presence of the game in his little finger than I could ever, ever have imagined. And I wouldn't have had that moment if I didn't have a chance to play for him. He knew more. He would ask more about my family before he would ask a question about me. And that presence of mind from an owner, from somebody who was so powerful, just really stayed with me. And that's why I felt that the Raiders were my family. That's why I felt the Raider Nation was my family. And that's, like I said earlier in the, in the interview, guys, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this project because I wanted to give something back. Lincoln, we can hear what the Raiders mean to you. Uh, we can read a whole book about what the Raiders mean to you. <laughs> we obviously heard what you think about the Broncos. What do you think about <laughs> Max Crosby driving an orange Porsche? That's a Broncos color. Well, you know what? It fits his personality. It, it's all good. You know, I don't. I don't say that much. Everything doesn't have to be silver black guys. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as, as much as I would want it, everything doesn't have to be silver black. But you know what? You know, it's a testament to that young man's work ethic because he came in on the heels of a guy being taken in the fourth overall pick, Cleveland Farrell from Clemson. He came from a relatively small program. He made the best of his rookie year, and he learned something from last year, guys. In spite of COVID and everything else. He learned that teams were starting to take notice of what he did his first year, and they really nullified a great great deal of things that he did. It wasn't as productive as the first year. So just to see his work ethic, just to see what he did through a camp, you know, Coach Gruden has you know, celebrated him many times, spoke very highly of his work ethic and how he came back. I think he's really going to be a force, and they need it, to be honest. To be named the captain, I think he, it's, it's a great uh, testament to his work ethic and what he's done, and he is right now in position to, one, make a lot of money, and two, you know, be one of be one of the great Raiders that we have on the team. Link, uh, last year in the at the home opener, I uh, shared a special moment of my own with with Brent Musburger. It, and when I first met him at eight years old, now being a journalist and, and being a colleague, two booths down. For you, being a former player and a legendary broadcaster, what's it been like? You know, after one season and now just you know being being his sidekick and 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 what if anything, learn anything from him and just sort of being a part of that from somebody who's legendary status from the days of when he hosted NFL Today when a lot of us were younger. That's the show that we watched in the 70s and 80s and now where he's at uh, in, in sharing the broadcast booth with him. You know, the, the, the first time I had the pleasure of meeting Brent was in the 92 Rose Bowl, and he was the play-by-play guy. And We met and we talked in Pasadena. That was the first time. I would have never thought at the end of my career I would be working with a legend. And there are times where I look to my left and I look right at him, <laughs> and I'm in awe of the fact that I'm working with him. You know, because it's just one of those things where you never thought it was going to get to this. And I, I, I try to, you know, over the years that we've had a chance to work together, it's been a great pleasure. But we had to, to develop our chemistry. It wasn't instantaneous. 
I didn't know when to lay out, when he was going to talk, so on and so forth. So it, it took some time. But since then, we've become good friends. We'll have a drink together after the game and stuff like that and, uh, and share stories. But, you know, it's just a great experience when you work with somebody that has so much rich history in the present and so many things that they can reflect upon. And, and he's watched so many of my games, too. So it's almost like, you know, you're talking to a big brother or a father, obviously, in this instance, uh, with the age difference. But, you know, the, the fact that you can share that presence in the booth for something that's so magical and so special as the Raiders transition from Oakland to Las Vegas coming into their own stadium. I mean, it's going to be rocking Monday night. And I can't wait for everybody to see in the world to see how beautiful Legion Stadium is, especially with the full crowd and the Raider Nation going crazy. Grab Lincoln Kennedy's new book, If These Walls Could Talk, stories from the Raiders' sideline, locker room, and press box. We hope you sell a lot of these books. Lincoln, we appreciate a couple minutes. Thank you. Thanks, Thank Link. you guys for having me. Be good. Talk to you soon. There you go. Lincoln Kennedy. So uh, there's a lot more on that Broncos snowball story because he actually, I think, I think he might have cracked his nose a little bit when he got hit in the face, but he went up and he got two guys uh, in the stands. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and the story, I guess, should I ruin it? Uh, cops came into the locker room. They're ready to arrest him. Wow. That never happened. So read the book and you can find out why it didn't happen. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Brady, the fake and rolling and throwing, and that'll be caught. And that's Rob Gronkowski. The 101st touchdown of his career, counting postseason 99 from the right arm. Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Man, oh man, that was uh, Pick Your Poison last night, uh, which of uh, the, I won't call it an empire because the Cowboys don't win anything, but uh, which of the two evils do you freaking root for? So if you had betting interest in the game, I mean, I guess you root for that side, but Jesus, Gronk and Brady are still going at it. Retire, guys. That's enough. Please. Enough. We have so many cool football spots going down. Uh, one of them is going to be on Sundays, but we do it on Monday this week, and Gooch is going to be filling in. Crazy Wars 3 for home games, Raider home games, every Sunday. We're going to be out there from 11 to 3. This place is great. The ladies are there. You know, the music is awesome. The drink specials are tremendous. They've got an unreal kitchen. We got exposed to that a couple of years ago. We got exposed to it today. They brought in pizza and sliders and some great appetizers, and, uh, you know, the entire crew here was chowing down on that stuff. That was freaking awesome. So Monday, we're actually going to kick it off. Gooch from Comp is going to be on. Uh, Gooch actually talked to Lindsay, excellent PR person from Crazy Horse, and she gave us a little tease here of what's going to be going on on these Sunday parties during Raider home games. Go ahead, Gooch. Comp 92.3, the Rock Station. Gooch here. And on the phone, we have Lindsay from Crazy Horse 3 right across the street from Allegiant Stadium, right over there on Russell. And Monday Night Football is going to be going off the hook this week, isn't it? We're definitely known for our renowned sports viewing parties, um, and we're taking it up a notch. I mean, we offer a sports viewing parties with benefits. We have beautiful women. I mean, who doesn't want to watch the game with some of the most beautiful women on the planet? I like women. We're actually, yeah, we're actually, we have uh, 10-foot TVs throughout the club. We are going to have happy hour specials, half-price drinks. Um, we have very convenient parking, and I think that's, that's key with locals, right? I mean, nobody wants to get stuck in a traffic jam. You can get... Uh, accessibly in and out really, really fast. What kind of packages do you offer for the people who may be attending the game and want to head on over to the Crazy Horse afterwards? Yeah, so we actually just added a stadium after-party package. So you can come in. It's five ninety nine. 
um, available to book on our website. You'll get a $599 food and beverage credit. But in addition to that, you'll get VIP entry for four people that is complete with table service as well as a free parking spot. And what about the food? I keep hearing all these rumors about Crazy Horse 3 having amazing food. Oh, our food is making such a big splash. Actually, we have several of our food categories are nominated for the best of Las Vegas right now. People are going crazy over our tacos, our pizza, quesadillas, burgers. We also serve uh, breakfast selections. I mean, you name it, and we will definitely satisfy your appetite, whatever that may be. Now, there's always going to be parties happening. What makes Crazy Horse 3's party the party? Obviously, you know, we're a strip club. We have the most beautiful women. Party is just out of control as far as being able to watch it with gorgeous, gorgeous women. We have flowing cocktails. We're just right across from the stadium, so you really get that excitement that you won't get anywhere else. You know, we're creating a view uh, inside the club that's just as nice than what you're seeing on the field as well. We are the place to be. We are your one-stop shop for the ultimate game day experience with hundreds of beautiful entertainers. Every single game day, where should everybody be heading? Crazy Horse 3, free entry during all the games. We can't wait to see all of you and really just party with you and just have a blast. The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today.